Welcome to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. Vintage Church is a movement of truth, love, and community. We are in our latest series called Saints, looking at the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. When we hear the word saints, we think of men and women who lived hundreds, if not thousands of years ago, completely different from us. But are we that different from them? In this series, we tackle who the church is and who we are as saints. Take a listen to this week's message. ¿Cómo podemos ser santos vivir en este mundo? Um, siento yo que siendo un santo en este mundo, ser guiados por Dios es lo primero. Um, buscarlo a Él, tener esa comunicación, esa relación con Dios. Uh, es muy importante tener comunicación con nuestros hermanos en la iglesia, tener esa hermandad y que muchas veces el mundo sí es atractivo, pero la forma como regresar a Cristo, tener esa relación, es ser guiados por Dios y buscarlo a Él y ponerlo a Él como nuestra prioridad. Well, hey, good morning. Listen, I can do without a lot of things. Mics, sound, uh, but the air condition is a precious gift from the Lord. And so, uh, but let me just take a moment. Was that just not awesome just a moment ago? Here's what you don't know, or many of you don't know. We talked about that this morning. Uh, but today is actually Vintage Church's 14th birthday, which is pretty awesome. And if you were around in those very, very, very early days, that felt very much like those very, very early days. Like, grab a chair, move it. Uh, oh, the AC's broke. We'll figure it out. Let's just keep going, right? Uh, those were the early days of Vintage Church. And so uh, it's pretty cool uh, to experience that this morning. Um, but I, I really do. Here's the thing. We talk about this all the time. And I want to deviate a little bit because you guys experienced something that I'm hoping the 11 o'clock doesn't experience, or maybe we should just do it anyways. Mark, I don't know where, maybe we'll just do it. Um, but did you notice some, when something, when, when, when you change your position, or when you just tweak something just a little bit, and it puts you in a different position, do you notice what God can do? Right? And I know some of you are like, well, listen, that's just superficial. I mean, we just were singing with no mics, and it was just really cool. But God does something with that kind of stuff. And so my encouragement to you this, this morning as we're back in the room, and the lights are on, and it's pitch black, and the air is running, and we're about ready to just kind of do what we normally do, to position your heart to experience something new and fresh from the Lord. Because that's what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. And I don't think it's a coincidence that what I'm going to be talking about this morning is being filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, God is orchestrating those sorts of things together. So if you would, let's stand together. We're going to read the scripture together. We are in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 21. Read it with me as we read together on the screen. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us 
and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God in Christ. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is with wine, for that is debauchery. But be, what? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You may be seated. So, Where we're at in the book of Ephesians is Paul is addressing the application, the practicality to say, listen, what we are called to do if we are the saints, if we are the holy ones of God, if we are the church, what God wants to do in us is, this was chapter 4, he wants to unify us and in unifying us, mature us. And then God does this incredible thing where when he is maturing us, he is also then beginning to unify us. And so last week, we looked at this idea of who we're not to be. And today, what we're talking about instead is how we're to let the light in and how we are to be a certain kind of people. If you remember last week, we ended in Ephesians 4.32 where it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And then literally in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says what? Be imitators of God. So he's tying these ideas together to say, listen, this is who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to forgive like God. So then therefore what? Be imitators of God. So what does Paul get at? Here's the first thing that I want you to see. Take notes, write this down. Be like Jesus. Verses one and two. What does he say? Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And then he says, listen, if you don't know what that means, you don't know what it looks like to imitate God, here's the answer. Walk in love. As who? As who? As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering 
and sacrifice to God. So the reason that Paul can say, be like Jesus, is because what he is saying is in order to imitate God, we have an example in who? Jesus. We have an example in Jesus. Now here's the thing. This is who we were always meant to be. From the beginning of creation, God creates us, Genesis 1 and 2, and he creates us in his image, in the image of God. And, and the, the idea of being created in God's image is that we are to reflect him. We are to be like a mirror that when someone looks at us, they don't see us, they see God. But the problem is sin. Sin entered our world and broke our world and broke us. And so the way that I understand sin and the image of God is it's like this. It's like taking a rock and throwing a rock at the mirror. And if you throw a rock at a mirror, maybe not all of the pieces are going to break on the mirror, but it's going to be splintered. And the reflection that you see in that mirror is going to be what? Distorted, cracked. So we were created to reflect God, the only way back to God, the only way to then truly mirror him and reflect him is through the good news of Jesus, the gospel, that Jesus came to earth as the, the second person of God, the son of God, and put on flesh and died for our sins and rose from the grave. And when we choose to follow Jesus, turn away from our sins, in faith, turning to trust his death and his resurrection and confessing that faith through baptism, which we're going to experience just in a moment, we're then able to reflect that image. So what Jesus provides is we, he provides that tangible model that we needed to be able to imitate. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament is Philippians 2. And you've probably heard this passage many times, but we, we actually tend to not read the first four or five verses. But I want you to see what Paul is doing when he talks about the person of Jesus. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. He says this, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. So that's Paul's desire. He says, that's what we're supposed to do. Oh, and by the way, if you want to know what this looks like, verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in who? Christ Jesus. So who was Jesus? What did he do? What did he look like? Verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, meaning he was God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, meaning he let go of the privileges of being God. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a what? Everybody say it. A servant. Being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that is the name of God, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, what Paul is getting at in Philippians chapter 2, which is what I think he's getting at in Ephesians chapter 5, is to imitate God, is to be like Jesus. And to be like Jesus is to think, listen, whatever kind of thing that I have that I could hold on to and say, well, I mean, I'll serve, I'll do that, but I mean, really, I have this privilege and this honor and this thing that's keeping me. God is saying, just like Jesus let go of his privilege of being God, we should let go of anything that keeps us from imitating him and serving and loving other people. And by the way, if you don't know what this is supposed to look like, all you have to do is go back to chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32, he gives countless examples of what this love, what this imitating God looks like. It says things like, put away all falsehood, speak truth, don't be angry in sin. Don't steal, but be generous. Don't speak corrupting talk. Don't grieve the spirit. Don't let bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander get into you. Be kind to one another, forgiving one another. Paul says that's the kind of life that we've been called to live. That's what it means to imitate God. That's what it means to be like Jesus. That's what we do. I mean, think about it like this. Anyone worth following and you want to follow them, whether it's an athlete or a movie star or a family member, shouldn't you want to be like them? I've told you guys about my man crush, right? Dwayne, The Rock, Johnson. Right? I follow him on Instagram, and I see the things that he does in the gym, and I'm like, I want to be just like him. When we see Jesus... Should we not want to be just like him? That's what he's called us to do. We are called to be like Jesus. And if we're imitating Jesus, Paul tells us next what we will do. Number two, we will live in the light. Live in the light. Look at verses seven and eight in chapter five of Ephesians. Paul says, therefore, do not become partners, everybody say partners, with them. For at one time you were darkness. Notice what he says. He doesn't say you were in darkness. He says you were darkness. But then he says, but now you are what? Not just in the light, you are light. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light throughout the New Testament, this theme of darkness and light can be found. I mean, it's, I think it's pervasive. It's in so many different books of the Bible because it's this idea that we're able to wrap our minds around. When we see light, we understand something of light. And when we see darkness, we understand something of darkness. In fact, the Apostle John, who walked with Jesus, described Jesus like this. John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. He says, in him, who's him? Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the what? 
the light of men. The light shines where? In the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The reason that Paul tells us to be not just in the light, but actually light, is because who is light? Jesus. And who are we to be like? Jesus. So he says, listen, be light. You can't be darkness if you're in Jesus. Because Jesus is not darkness. Jesus is light. He says, be light. And then there's something so interesting in verse 7 where he talks about not becoming partners with them. We've actually seen this word before in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, this is what Paul says. He says, this mystery is that the Gentiles, that's most of us in this room, if not all of us, are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and what? Partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The word partner and partakers, it's the same word. And so in chapter 5, he says, listen, you cannot be partners with those who are in darkness. And in chapter 3, he says, we are partners with one another because we are partners together in the gospel. I thought about it like this this week. Uh, Sesame Street. You know the song, one of these things is not like the other. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's been a while, maybe, for some of you. I'm not going to sing the rest of that song. I'll, I'll read it to you, though. One of these things is not like the others. One of these things just doesn't belong. Can you tell which thing is not like the others by the time I finish this song? I mean, that's what Paul is getting at. He's saying, listen, there's no confusion Light cannot be darkness, and darkness cannot be light. You cannot have them in the same space. Do you ever notice that? Right? If you were here very early, like 8.55, which was like two of you, I recognize that. And you were in this auditorium, and then all of a sudden you heard a right? And the power went out. It was pitch black in here. There's no way to have light in pitch blackness, in pitch darkness. They don't go together. So Paul tells us what darkness then looks like. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 6. I know this is all the stuff we don't want to read, right? This is the stuff that's not exciting and cool, but here's what Paul says. This is what darkness looks like. He says, but sexual immorality... And all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Again, what is he saying? These things don't go together. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. They don't go together. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, I know we hear that in the first thing that we think, man, that's awfully judgmental. Wow, here we go again. Christianity is a list of do's and don'ts, and it's all about legalism. These things are the things I can do, and these things are the things I can't do. But what I want you to see is that this is about identity. It's not just about what you do and you don't do. 
It's about who you are. And what Paul is getting at is he's saying, listen, those of us who imitate God, who are like Jesus, who live in the light and not the darkness, these are the things that we cannot do. And by the way, this list isn't arbitrary. It's not as if God is in heaven saying, hmm, what do I want them to do? What do I don't want them to do? We're called to be like God. And so part of what Paul is getting at is that these behaviors are not like God. And part of being like God, listen to this, part of being like God is loving people. And I want you to notice something about sexual morality, about crude language. More often than not, those things do not involve loving people. Rather, what they involve is using people. Think about, like, I'm, I'm guilty of it. Think about a joke that you've done, right? Someone made a joke the other day when we were talking about mama jokes. You know mama jokes? Right? They're, they're funny, are they not? But I remember someone making fun of my mom in, like, middle school, saying, your mom is, you know? And, like, man, it's not that funny anymore. It's because it, there's a person attached to that joke. Like if you're having sex outside of marriage, there's a person attached to that act of sex. If you're looking at pornography, there's a person attached to that pornography. And what you're doing is you are using them to experience something that you want. And you're not even concerned about what they want or what they need. Again, we might read that and we might think, man, that's awfully judgmental. About the fact that these are the people that they have what Paul says, no inheritance in the kingdom. But here's what I want you to understand. Again, it's not about behavior, it's about identity. And the reason that Paul can say they have no inheritance in the kingdom is because they chose that. They chose for their identity to not be in the light. Again, Paul's challenge to us is to choose our identity to be in the light, not in darkness. So if that's what darkness looks like, what then does light look like? Look at verses 9 through 14. He says, for the fruit of light is found in all that is what? Everybody say it. Good and, and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper. And arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So what Paul says, this is what light looks like. What light looks like is if it's good, right, and true, it's light. And that is the world in which we are to be living. That's the way in which we are to be living. That should be the litmus test for what you think, say, and do. Is this good? Is this right? Is this true? I know for some of us, myself included, 
we get into those moments where we're like, you know what, I just think, I feel, I need to say this. If we would just step back, pause, and ask ourselves, is this good, right, and true? We would save us a world of trouble. Paul says as followers of Jesus, we are to be about the light, anything that is good, right, and true. And here's the thing, when we live goodness, when we live righteousness, when we live truth, we shine the light of God's goodness, God's righteousness, and God's truth into the darkness. Because recognize that the goodness, the righteousness, and the truth that we're called to live, it's not ours. It's his. And when we are living in the light, we are shining that light to the world that is dark around us. Lastly, we're called to be like Jesus. We're called to live in the light. And the only way that we can live in the light is to be filled with the Spirit. I want you to look at verse 18. Paul gives a very interesting like, uh, comparison where he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul, what in the world are we talking about here? Why would you compare being filled with the Spirit to be fill, being filled with alcohol? What's the relationship? In order to understand what's going on here, we've got to unpack just a little bit of what it actually means to be filled with the Spirit. Because depending on the tradition that you might have come out of in Christianity, you might have differing views and opinions of what Paul actually means. And what I want to do is I want to compare two different things. The baptism of the Holy Spirit with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because one of the things that Paul talks about in this passage is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 13, he says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were what? Sealed with the promised Spirit. So what does Paul mean when he says that we've already been sealed with the Spirit, but at the same time we need to be Filled with the Spirit. What's Paul getting at? And I think there's two different things. One, when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what I'm referring to is I'm referring to salvation. That moment when you repent, when you walk away from the way you have been living, the moment when you turn in faith to trust in Jesus, and the moment that you confess your faith through baptism, you are not only baptized by water, but the Spirit of God comes into you and lives in you, and his presence dwells in you, and you are sealed with his presence. If you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that you need to do extra. You don't need to be able to stand on one leg, hop three times, turn around in a circle. You already have the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Amen? But Paul says there's something extra. There's something about being filled with the Spirit. In fact, he's used this word already three different times. In chapter 1, in chapter 3, in chapter 4, he talks about the presence of God filling 
people and places and things. And what I think that Paul is getting at when he talks about being filled with the Spirit, and this is the tie to why he uses alcohol, is he's talking about being under the influence. Everybody, anybody ever been under the influence of alcohol? You don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) That was kind of a joke. You can do your penance afterwards. It'll only cost you $10 for those sins to be forgiven. I'm kidding. Whether you've been under the influence of alcohol, you've probably known somebody who's been under the influence of alcohol. It does something to you, right? It changes what you do, what you say, how you live. And I think what Paul is getting at by saying don't be drunk or under the influence of alcohol, at the same time he's saying, but do be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. One commentator says it like this, believers are fully influenced by the Spirit so that their actions are worthy of their Lord. Another commentator says this, to be filled with the Spirit is to open ourselves to the continual transforming work of the Spirit so that the presence of Christ empowers and shapes our lives. You can have the Spirit of God living in you and yet not be under His influence. I could walk around this room and act like none of you are here, but you're all still here. We not only need the presence of God in us, but we need His influence in us. So what does the filling of the Holy Spirit do? Paul tells us. He doesn't leave this up to our imagination. Look at verses 15 through 21. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul says, this is what your life is going to look like. This is what it's like to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. Or another word, because we don't use debauchery all that time. That's reckless. Paul says, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Just a note. When we were out in the auditorium or in the, the, the lobby, right, and you could hear everybody's voice, all of that was to the Lord, but did it do something to you? Yeah. And Paul says, listen, you're singing to the Lord, but sometimes when you're singing to the Lord, the words that you're singing are doing something to your fellow believers. And when you do all of that, verse 20, give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul says, listen, you want to know what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It means that you're going to be wise in living. You're going to make wise decisions, not unwise decisions. The Spirit is the Spirit of what? Truth. And so if you are making unwise decisions, you're not living in truth. You're living in lies. And Paul says, listen, if you're living under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you're living with wisdom and truth and making wise decisions. 
Verse 17, to live under the power of the Holy Spirit, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you'll understand God's will. How many of you want to know what God wants for you? Paul says if you're living under the influence of the Spirit, he's guiding and directing you. Verse 18, I know none of us want this. Self-control. There's a reason that Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, that's reckless, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have self-control. You're able to say, I can say no to that. Whatever that is. If you're being filled with the Holy Spirit, 19 and 20, there's corporate worship. There is worship going on. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, influenced by the Holy Spirit, and your heart is not led to worship God, something's wrong. Because the Spirit of God will be leading you and guiding you and directing you to pursue Him and worship Him. Lastly, and we are going to spend the next three weeks talking about this in verse 21. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have healthy relationships. Verse 21, Paul says, and I know that there's so much controversy around this one word and this one verse and the verses to come, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Next week, I'm going to talk about marriage. I know some of you are like, well, I'm not going to be here. Come. Come. Week after that, Pastor Briggs is going to talk about parenting. Week after that, Pastor Mark is going to talk about what in the world is Paul talking about when he talks about slavery in this passage. All of this, while it might look very different because our families and our homes and our houses are very different 2,000 years later, speak to the power of relationships. And Paul is saying, listen, if you're being filled with the Holy Spirit then it will affect how you love and lead your wife, how you love and serve your husband, how you honor your parents, how you care for your children. You cannot, listen to me, you cannot separate your walk with the Lord and the people that he's put in front of you. You just can't. Paul says they go hand in hand. If you are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it will lead to healthy relationships. Here's my fear for me and for all of us. Ephesians 4.30, just last week we read this passage. Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You know, one of the images in the entire scriptures is that the Spirit of God is like a fire. And the thing about a fire is that if you want a fire, if you want the heat, if you want the light, you have to keep it going. And one of the ways in which you and I, I think, can grieve the Holy Spirit is when we start to do things, say things, believe things that begin to pour water on the fire of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. He's in us. He's near us. He's present. He wants to influence us. But we have to be prepared for that influence. We have to do the things that mean living in the light, not the darkness. 
And listen, this is so important, especially with this passage. Spiritual experiences without the fruit of the Spirit do not equal being filled with the Spirit. Spiritual experiences without the fruit of the Spirit do not equal being filled with the Spirit. I want you to have supernatural experiences with the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to walk out of this place and I want you to say to yourself, God did something today that he's never done before in my life. I want to be able to look behind me and say, I don't know what that just was, but I know that God was there. But if I have all of that, and if you have all of that, and then tomorrow we go out and our lives are not filled with joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, then we are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Be like Jesus by living in the light according to the power of the Holy Spirit. This week, I just want you to think about really just one question, one thing to meditate on. And is this just, what's the one thing you can do this week to be like Jesus? To live in the light. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't really consider myself to be that charismatic. I don't have any of the supernatural gifts. I can't heal you. Please don't come forward for healing. I don't think I can do it. I don't speak in tongues. I've never prophesied before. But I want to be led by the Spirit. And I think sometimes that leading starts with a hunger. Like just ask yourself, do you really want it? Because, I mean, here's the thing, there's a cost in following the Holy Spirit. It's very simple for all of us to get wrapped up in our worlds and just every day we wake up and we do the same thing and we go to bed and we do it all over again. And that's real. I mean, I know life is busy, right? You wake up, you get your kids ready, you take them to school, you go to work, you get off work, you pick your kids up, you make them dinner, you take them to their activity, and you're dead tired, so you fall asleep and you do it over again the next day. And believe it or not, I think for many of us, that's actually the life that God's called us to. He doesn't want us to be monks. That's my dream, by the way. My dream is to enter a monastery and never speak another word again. That's not God's dream for me. Some of us might need to tweak some of our habits and some of our rhythms and those sorts of things, but I actually wonder, perhaps maybe God just says, listen, would you just let me into the rhythms of your life? That, hey, when you're dropping your kids off at school or, hey, when you're 
eating lunch with that coworker, would you just listen to the small, still voice of the Holy Spirit to speak? Would you be under my influence? So I want to do something a little bit different. Today's different, right? It's just different. If you were late, you missed the first 15 minutes where we didn't have any power and we were all sweating to death. If you want to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, I just want you to come forward and stand up here. Does anybody want that? Just come up here. If you don't move, no one's judging you, by the way. But if you want it, I want it. And I want to pray. There's plenty of room up here in the spit zone. Right here. Step back, though. I've got a cough. Keep, Keep moving forward. Pressing in. Now, here's what I'm praying As I'm praying for you, the person to your right, to your left, in front of you, behind you, I pray that you're praying for them. That each and every one of us would be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not just, this isn't just like play. This just isn't like, oh, I'm filled with the Spirit. This is like, what does Monday look like? How is Monday different this week than it was last week? because I'm under the influence of the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you don't want us to live ordinary, regular lives. but you want to fill us with your spirit. And in the everyday, ordinary world in which we're living, where we wake up, make breakfast, take our kids to school, go to work, eat lunch, come home, make dinner, take our kids back to practice, go to bed and do it all over again. God, you want to do something in us and through us that we can't imagine. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. That you would do something supernatural in their lives this week that they can only attest to you. That the Spirit of God would fill them in a way that they have never been filled before. that they would live in the power and truth of your Holy Spirit. God, that they would be able to practice self-control. God, for the person in this room that's dealing with pornography or drugs or alcohol, that today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, you would convict them and they would change direction. that our relationships would look different. 
that we would return home today and love our wives and love our husbands and love our kids and love our coworkers and love our neighbors differently because we're under the influence of your Holy Spirit. And God, that our worship would be different. because it's no longer us guiding us, but it's your Holy Spirit moving and working in us to give you praise and glory because God, you deserve it. And so God, we don't know what it's gonna look like. We don't know what it's gonna sound like. We don't know what it's gonna be like. But we pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit to influence us, to guide us, to direct us. We love you, Father. And we pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. If you're enjoying this content, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week.